0: If I run, run, run would you, ju ju come and see, 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 see me Cause I'm not the one that sits, sit up here just away. waiting If I run, run, run would you, do, ju come and see, 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 see me Cause I'm not the one that sits, sit up here just
1: away. waiting Welcome to uh, Meltdown Mates um, This is the first episode of A New Endeavor uh, with me Uh, Timothy Robert Buckner, you may know me from uh, This Week in Wrestling primarily, Um, and Quentin Moody, you may know him from Psychology is Dead, and uh, um, Suppressa S. Lucha. (laughs)
0: Um. (laughs) That's, That's the craziest reference for you to do for a show that's been done for over what? Two years, right?
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah. Former uh, co-host of Tapper Snap, um, if you guys remember. Oh. Right. Yeah. Uh, you're getting all the deep cuts out the way. Yeah, exactly. Got to start it out. You, you know what the thing is, is if you don't study history, you're uh, bailed, damned to repeat it, they say. Um, so this is Meltdown Mates, the concept. I heard a lot of people talking about Meltdown May. I don't know if you're familiar with that concept, but it's just people being fucking wild on social media during the month of May. It tends to be a pretty common... Um, occurrence, I guess, is not. It was not something I was familiar with until this year, um, and like this endeavor, this podcast is kind of born out of that concept. Because I don't know if it was necessarily May, but it was close enough <laughs> that uh, some popping off on social media is what caused uh, this endeavor to get started. Um, and meltdown mates is because me and you are both big fans of UK wrestling, or at least we used to be. Um, Yeah, like,
0: like I'm not sure UK wrestling really exists anymore. Yeah, (laughs) exactly. even still fans of it.
1: Fuck, dude, I listen, okay, so this is going to be something, too, that's going to happen here, is that I'm going to reference shit that I listen to. I listen to a lot of podcasts. I've also recently started, like, uh, working on my fitness, (laughs) trying to get back in shape. I've been doing this for, like, over a year now, but the past couple months it's really changed a lot in that, like, I'm riding a bike out in public primarily for my workouts, so it's even more podcasts than it used to be for me. Um, so I'm going to reference podcasts that I listen to quite a bit. But I hear like uh, The Grapple. Have you ever, have you listened to The Grapple podcast at all? It's got like uh,
0: no who no who is that? It's
1: the guys that used to do the Indie Corner podcast, basically like Benno, JP and I might be oh, getting that okay, wrong. Okay, okay. Like exactly who it is. Um and they do now, uh, for specifically for that Grapple app, which like I'm gonna say, <laughs> and, like I've only heard Voices of Wrestling talk about the Grapple app in the sense that like the Grapple
0: app has a podcast
1: that they're being paid to like talk about it from Voices of Wrestling. But uh, I tried to download the Grapple app and it fucked up and froze and like glitched so many times that I just had to get rid of it. So guys, uh, maybe on Android it doesn't work. I don't know. Um, but they talk about the UK wrestling scene as if it's still like hot, like it's hotter than it's ever been. And me and you constantly talk about it being dead. Like, to me, it's completely fucking dead, right? Like, I don't think about the UK wrestling scene as being hotter than it's ever been.
0: If your definition of hot is, like, US indies in, like, 2013, 2014, and, like, how everything by then was starting to feel a little bit stagnant because you had guys leaving out... Uh, like your Claudio's, your heroes. Um, well, Hero just came back by then. But Claudio, Steen, Zayn, um, and all those kind of guys leaving out and everything feeling weird by then, then sure. Bro. <laughs> yeah, right? <laughs> I don't know. Like, I'll be honest with you. I've been watching basketball for the last month. Nice. And so this whole Meltdown May thing – to me like the only thing i can really think of in regards to like what meltdown may would be is i've seen a whole lot of horrendous basketball takes over the last right. month or so so for me that's all i've been consumed with for the last month and i can't imagine how bad wrestling twitter has really been when it when it's come to actual wrestling stuff and with a topic we're gonna get to in a little bit with all elite wrestling having their uh first official show I can't imagine how bad it's been for the last three weeks.
1: Yeah, no, it's it's been nuts. But, I mean, to me, I've been hearing it reference, like, politics Twitter primarily. You know mm. what I mean? And, like, woke, tw- woke Twitter. Which, actually, I was thinking about the other day. And, Quentin, tell me if I'm wrong here. And maybe you're just that checked out into, like, basketball and battle rap world. But, like, do you not miss the days when woke just meant, like, white dudes that wore a kente cloth? like i really fucking miss when that's what woke meant because now woke is like ridiculously annoying at this point which is like
0: well well that's like that but that's what happens to every term when people find a term when people find a term they like it just gets ran into the ground and i think woke just got way out of hand right after like every single thing just got applied to woke stay woke and after that is real fucking annoying yeah. when you're someone that's like been to protest and has like been involved with certain things like that and has tried to get in on um uh non-profit organizations right so when you see that kind of stuff going on it's just like oh like well just kind of like hit you like really hard <laughs> but i am but I, I am glad when i am missing the days that well we just were like a all right, like, let's, like let like let the white dude like live his life and leave him alone thing.
1: <laughs> yeah, exactly. Um, but yeah, so Meltdown May, like I said, kinda of the impetus of this podcast. I will say, like, people saw what happened. I I thought about it for a long time. And you know, people like life just fucking happens. Like <laughs> I kept doing the this week in wrestling podcast and I probably would continue doing it to this day. Like it just step by step it's like you get so used to the, the habit of things, but I think a lot of people know what happened. I will just say, like, one thing that I thought of that really made me think and hearkened back to kind of the, the situation, and it will even reference what we're going to actually get into talking about more, is that I listened, I've i listened to the Wrestling Bubble podcast from here and there, and these guys are fucking disgusting. Like, the shit that they say is disgusting. And one of the main things that they say that's really disgusting and reminded me of the topic was they talk about Nyla Rose, and they said, I'm going to call Nyla Rose he, he him, I'm going to misgender Nyla Rose, Unless they, she, gets her dick cut off, basically. And that's insanely offensive and shitty. But they're doing something. They're on a podcast. They're theoretically trying to entertain. And I, as someone who has been a performer in a lot of different ways throughout my life, will leave a lot of leeway for the concept of actually creating something. Even if it's in bad taste. uh, Because at least you're like doing something some kind of performance I may not agree with it I may not think that it's the best way to go about things but when your concept of creating and doing things is just tweeting is just kind of saying things out in the ether but not actually like making a form of content to be consumed in an entertainment fashion it's not really doing anything I kind of draw the line in the idea that you get like poetic license to say and do whatever you want under the guise of being an artist when I don't feel like you're actually creating something. So that's what I'm going to say to kind of start this out and have like a clean slate. I got a lot of skeletons in my closet. If people wanted to dig things up, you can hit up my good friend, Adrian. He's uh, still on Twitter as De La Boots. I'm still good friends with him to this day. He probably has the original copies of the old podcast that I did where I said a lot of fucked up shit constantly. So you could probably get him to send you some of those if you really want to, uh, you know, discredit my my wokeness or whatever. Um, but I do think that in the concept of being a performance artist, in the context of like actually creating entertainment, I am more than willing to forgive a lot of things that people say and do. But in the context of just like kind of being a person and there's nothing really on the line. Like, I've been a semi professional comedian. I've never, let's say only was a comedian, but I did get paid, and I did pay some bills through comedy at times in my life. So, like, I can kind of make that argument that, like, I deserve, you know, a little bit of grounds as actually someone who created something. So, like, that's just going to be the kickoff for this for me. That was kind of the impetus for starting this, is that I wanted a place where I felt like maybe I could, like, be free to say whatever, call people out, and kind of call things to task. Um, And then also, like let get things off my chest and just kind of talk with you. This is, if people are familiar with like kind of the old podcast pod blast series that me and you did called the dead, uh, this is kind of going to be a more kind of regular occurrence of that same concept. Um, so that's kind of it for me on what this is. Quentin, do you want to explain to people like what the point of what's going on here is for you?
0: Well, some people might remember, but I did attempt to do a weekly or biweekly podcast. Um, was it a year and a half ago two two years ago by this point rather yeah i feel
1: like it would be at least
0: two Yes, two years ago and it was getting good reception and eventually through uh people just being busy it just wasn't able to stick to the plan and come to fruition the way we hoped it would and that really disappointed me but the real reason why i never ventured back out into doing stuff like that is because I always feel more comfortable doing stuff with my friends. My friends being the people that in the time I've been involved in wrestling in any creative capacity, whether it's been writing articles or doing reviews or doing podcasting, I like to do it with people I know and have some sort of rapport with. So when you're asking someone to take on this heavy burden of, oh yeah, let's do a weekly podcast and do the same fucking WWE takes that everyone else does on 60 different shows every week, then that's a lot of time to ask for. That's a lot of investment to ask for. And frankly, I'm just not a person who's going to put that much time into WWE, which is something that when I was doing the old weekly show, I sacrificed and put the time in to watch WWE that I didn't want to watch. With you, someone that's been one of my uh, closest friends in this wrestling bubble and someone I can consider a good friend in general. I felt that the time was right for us to do something together on a more frequent basis, because we always do the top 50 together and that's always fun. But for as often as we talk and for, for all the conversations that we have and all the weird fucking questions, hypotheticals we, we come up with together. Why not put that out on, on the air? And I think, Right now is a good time to do that. And plus, like, I'm, I'm in a mode right now where I just don't care. So if I have something to say that I'm just going to say it, if I don't want to talk about wrestling necessarily and I just wanted to talk about music with you or going whatever tangent, then I feel perfectly fine doing that because I just don't feel confined to the whole wrestling uh, professionalism and wrestling podcasting structure anymore. I've got a real whatever Uh, attitude nowadays not that like the effort is gone but for a weekly show i feel like people really put so much effort into being so proper with it and i don't think that's that's the appeal of it um i was listening to this podcast and since you're gonna reference the podcast you listen to i was listening to uh the bs podcast it's uh bill simmons and today he had ryan rusillo on and i love when those two are together because they have like this weird chemistry that bounces off of each other because there's not a lot of sports talk where they bounce off into tangents and feel so comfortable diving into weird stuff like the 2007 uh washington wizards what if they had like 2019 twitter access and shit like that and that's the kind of freedom and chemistry i want to have with someone if i'm doing audio and i feel like that's the kind of stuff we're kind of uh level level of um comfortableness that I can achieve here doing a show with you.
1: Yeah, and that's, I think, going to be a big hook to anyone who happens to be listening here, is that you're going to really, if you listen to the Top 50 with us, you're going to really get unfettered kind of talk, and that's that's what we've always done, but now you're going to get it in more of a kind of dig- digestible, bite-sized kind of thing, because that's the way we are. I think both of us, when we get to, to talking with each other, I think we feel pretty comfortable to just say whatever, and not really, like be like, oh, I want to edit that or censor that or take that out. Like, I don't think I don't think either of us have ever asked, to have anything we've said while talking with each other, you know, edited or changed or not put out there. Because,
0: oh, oh, and by the way, before like before this gets taken into any other thing other than how I meant it, this is not like some, oh, I can't wait to be edgy on this podcast. Oh like, hell no, is, yeah, no, this is not what that is not what this is. Mm-mm. I'm just extremely relaxed and I'm done trying to be so proper when I do podcast. I guess that's all I'm saying this is not some if you're looking for the edgy podcast this is the place thing
1: well I mean Quentin you're always usually so eloquent so I don't know <laughs> why there would be an issue with you <laughs> needing to be proper um so, yeah. So actually, well, I'm going to say we're, t- we're going to talk about things that we want to talk about. So this is the first time in a while I used to do a beer podcast where I talk about beer. And since I have been working on trying to lose weight, I have really not. I used to drink while recording This Week in Wrestling, but then I stopped over the past like year, year and a half uh, because I've like kind of been stopping myself from drinking during weekdays and I usually record during the week. Um, but I w- I'm gonna just give a shout out I'm drinking Drake's Brewing Extra Brute IPA that was brewed in September of last year so this is old it's not necessarily a beer that you would think to let sit for that long um, and it holds up pretty good I bought it because I saw it dusty on the shelves in the liquor store in my neighborhood since from last September um, and I was like fuck it I really loved that beer before I'm gonna see what it's like now that it's been sitting for way too long and it's it's fine it's not as good as it used to be but I was just gonna just again, talk about being comfortable. Talk about kind of doing whatever. I, I feel like I earned it. I actually, I, I'm said I've been, we've been working on working out last weekend, I uh, rode from L.A. down to Redondo Beach. It was like a 20 mile bike ride, and then this morning, or Monday morning, I do my Monday morning weigh ins, and for the first time in a long time, I actually lost some weight. So I was like uh, pretty proud of myself. So I feel like I've earned an extra beer here uh, during the <laughs> week.
0: <laughs> but um, so is like is like sitting a thing in beer culture. Could you hear that all the time yeah. with, you know, like the old cliche like yeah, wine gets better with age or some so, such and such got better with age? Is that a thing with beer?
1: It, it depends. So this is not a beer that you would let sit because it's like hops. So stuff that like okay. the flavor is based on the hops, you're not going to want to let it sit as much because the hop flavor will disappear. Um, It'll, like, dissipate. There is famously – so there's this Dogfish Head uh, 160-minute IPA that they say if you let it sit for, like, 7 to 10 years, it turns into, like, a different beer. It turns into, like, a barley wine, they say, when it's originally an IPA. But then stuff like stouts, like heavier dark beers and sour beers, depending on how they're Mm -hmm. bottle conditioned, those can age and actually take on new and interesting flavors. So it depends on the beer. So there is beers that sit – like, I have a couple actually in my fridge that are, like, stouts from a couple years ago that – um. I'm intentionally aging. And then this one, like I said, was not necessarily an intentional age. I just happened to see it on the shelf at a liquor store. And, and literally, as I open it right now, I'm like, bl- I'm like, w- whopping wiping dust from the bottle. It's like, it's literally a dusty bottle that's been sitting on the shelf since like September. So, yeah. Um, mm. So Quentin, we came here to kind of introduce the podcast and kind of introduce really what's going to be the first like full real episode which will be next week um where we're going to talk about you kind of referenced it but aew and uh the double or nothing their first big show right um mm-hmm. and i guess to talk about everything the big conversation is hangman page and pock right i guess that's the kind of the big thing do you want to just start with that or did you want to get into anything else
0: yeah i think it was best to get that out the way now because that does have some effect on the car that we're going to preview in a little bit
1: right and so i guess i'll start out i i heard something today and i'll give a shout out to uh to dylan hales um on the pw pondering uh podcast they were kind of talking about this and it gave me an idea and i'll give a shout out to dylan also for being a uh, longtime supporter of this week in wrestling and who knows if he'll he'll migrate his way over to here i think I think there's a chance he'll end up listening to this show because I think he's a fan of both of us and both of our content. Um, but who knows? Maybe he just won't have the time anymore for uh, listening to a weekly podcast with me on it. Um, <laughs> but they were talking about it, and they were talking about the idea that maybe the POC stuff is a work or at least a leaked story that's to divert people from talking about um, the visa issue being the thing, which I could kind of understand, and that the stuff with Pac... Arguing about or giving them trouble about jobbing is, like, not real. And the real thing is that uh, that they, they still have visa issues because Pac missed the WrestleCon because of visa stuff, um, which is interesting because you would think he'd still have the working visa from when he was in WWE at this point. Um, but either way, and that made me think, and this is – maybe I'm out to lunch, but I feel like they – At the same time, like when this match got first announced on the first press conference, I felt like this match was almost being presented and announced as if this was the first, like, unofficial title match of the company. Like this was Pac comes out with the he had the the Dreamgate title, and it felt like it was being presented like this was the unofficial, the winner of this match is the champion of AEW. And at the same time, a little bit before this match kind of got announced as going FUBAR. I felt like they announced this stipulation that a lot of people didn't understand with the you know the Joker's wild whatever bullshit, um, no battle royale uh, battle royal that like they started announcing like the winner of the battle royal is going to get a title shot at the heavyweight championship that they haven't even announced anything about. So I feel like in a weird way these two things kind of coincide where maybe the idea was that AEW was going to do a last minute kind of thing and they were going to have. I I, Honestly, this is what I'm seeing. And tell me if this sounds insane. I think the winner of the Battle Royale is going to get thrown into a match with Adam Page. And I think that they were initially going to have Adam Page and Pac be turned into a championship match at the last minute. And now, because they've announced that the Battle Royale is going to be the winner as the first number one contender, when they win, they now announce that the winner of that match faces... Adam Page, later in the night for the championship. And I, I feel like that's where it goes. Because mm. I feel like they added on that championship contender stipulation right before they leaked this story so that they could have that all kind of coincide on the show. And I don't know, that might seem insane, but I feel like that's where this is going.
0: It's not insane, especially if you're looking at it from the theory of they leaked the story themselves. So what this all comes down to is I don't believe that Pac was that pack was going to wind up losing the adam page on that show i don't believe that i feel like they have way too big of plans right now for pack for that to be the thing were they were they or at least at that point they had those kind of plans for pack and just based on the fact that the, he had these visa issues what only a, only a month and a half ago right
1: Yeah, i mean yeah it was it was for the It was for WrestleMania weekend, so it was like March. So, yeah, just a couple months ago.
0: Okay, so not even that long ago, that was a confirmed issue. And uh, you did mention the point of how you would think his uh, visa would still be valid um, since his uh, deal with uh, WWE wasn't too long ago. But I'm not sure on that stuff. I'm not sure if um, the visa that you have with that company gets um, terminated or... And like that after um, after you exit the company, especially in such a way that Pac did where he sat out for so long. So that might be a thing where you could say where you could think maybe it expired or maybe they have a policy where that stuck that kind of stuff gets terminated after you exit the company. So I'm not particularly sure there. But when people were th- when people were uh, running with the idea of this was all uh, uh, Pac, not one in the job thing. One, I I just don't think he's like that. I just don't think he's that kind of guy. I think if that I think if that decision came from anywhere, it would have been coming from Dragon Gate, which is something I've been start, I've been starting to see in the last day or so.
1: Well, here's the thing, too. Okay, the losses in in um, RevPro that people are like kind of their argument point to the 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 draws with Zach and Osprey. Those are not Adam Page. Those are Zach and Osprey and what company do both of those guys work for is New Japan. So if Dragon Mm. Gate is making a call that you can't lose to two employees of New Japan, that's a totally different story than saying you can't lose to Adam Page. I mean, Adam Page doesn't work for any Japanese company. So what it comes down to is it makes sense to me that they would tell him he can't lose to people who work for New Japan because Dragon Gate's a Japanese company, right? They don't Mm. want their champion losing to someone who wrestles in Japan. So, yeah, I don't see how that's connected to losing to Adam Page in Vegas, you know?
0: Mm. So, that's the only thing that I would probably think that it wouldn't be a pack thing. It would be coming from Dragon Gate. But even then, I'm erring more on Dylan's side of thought here that this is a Visa issue and that, for some reason, they're covering it up. Now, the real question is, why would you cover that up, though? Because that's a very valid concern because that just happened to new Japan that happened to a whole bunch of people over WrestleMania weekend. So if the issue was the visa stuff that has proven to be, uh, harder to do than usual under the Trump administration during this, uh, during this campaign, then I don't know why you hide that because it feels like something that people would be understanding and receptive to.
1: Would it, could it, be that they're trying to tread lightly with the U.S. government? This sounds insane, but this is like real big picture. That AEW is thinking that they should tread lightly with any kind of issues that they cause with the U.S. government, especially because they've got they're starting a wrestling company that's directly competing, or at least trying to directly compete with WWE, which is headed by Vince McMahon, who was the top donor to the Trump Foundation before Donald Trump was even running for president and then continued to be one of the top donors to the Trump Foundation as Trump was running for president, who happens to also be attempting to start his own football league that just happens to be competing with NFL owners in the Khan family to where they're just like, let's not make any waves because Trump has been shown to be very irrational he's already tweeted attacking the nfl so it's like do you you don't want to get the president of the united states on your bad side when he's already got someone who could be lobbying him to kind of make things harder for you and AEW is trying to use international talent in general like people from china uh more like japanese female wrestlers more japanese wrestlers in general canadian wrestlers a lot of people who could have visa issues so it's like just don't Make waves because you've got a president who's already proven to be erratic, and you've got you know your main competition has the president's ear. So let's lay low. So like that could be a big part of why they don't want to turn this into like fuck Trump. That's why we can't have pock here, you know what I mean? And like I think that's a that's an angle that no one has really mentioned because it sounds crazy, right? It does sound a little bit no, like but, conspiracy. Yeah, like right
0: now, like this sounds insane, but I do get where those lines will get crossed where i'm at right now with it is this is some blend of you know work and shoot and that there is a very like valid reason as to why pack uh won't be able to make the show i don't think this is a complete work or anything like that but i do think they're milking it a little bit and they're gonna they might be they might be using this to make him this sort of mega heel in the company because AEW doesn't have that right now they have people that are sort of coming in as all baby faces so if you look at it that way where there's your first official show and you want to make a splash or or in the build up to your first official show you want to make a splash what better way would there be than to have someone come in and actually be disliked actually be hated actually be treated as a heel because as of right now that's just not a thing that's happening
1: right and they're not going to bring in Corey graves's brother to be the biggest heel in the company which i think he probably could be um
0: oh e- oh easily yeah. <laughs> there wouldn't be good matches but
1: <laughs> yeah no that doesn't matter is he cmll or is he AAA? because they have the deal with triple a right
0: oh he was he was cmll
1: he's cml okay so they wouldn't be able to get him in anyways. yeah yeah um
0: uh, unless he's i don't i don't know if he's actually signed there or anything but that's where i've seen him the last right. year year and some change
1: which i guess would make sense because he also shows up in rev pro which is uh new japan that's part of, yeah, the, yeah, part of CML. the new
0: japan cmll yeah, yeah yeah yeah
1: um but yeah so i think that pock yeah pock i mean the bastard pock thing he wants he's been trying to be a heel everywhere and like I don't know. You watched the that that the match in Rev Probe with Zach. Like Zach, I feel like just completely outshined him as a heel to the point where like there wasn't even a chance to try to pretend like uh, Pac was a heel there. And I he, feel
0: it worked. It worked work when Peck isn't isn't facing other stars. Like when he's right. not facing a guy that's Zach or Osprey or Waltz or anything, it works. But when he's facing a guy that's on that level or you can argue as a bigger star than him, that's when it gets muddy. Because then that person, like a Zach, is, is used to being in control in his matches. So what's, what's Pat going to do? Oh, right. Walter is used to being in control in his matches. So what's Pat going to do? So when he's facing guys on that level, that's when it becomes a problem. But now that those guys probably aren't going to be in the picture much, um, and it's all assuming that pack is staying with dragon gate for the long haul or longer than people expected but if those people aren't going to be a problem with him as far as people that work a certain style and don't really feel comfortable outside of that style or that's just how they work because they're top guys then i think pack's fine because there's no one else that really he has to he has to worry about that right now with
1: right but i think that yeah i think that like even in dragon gate I i feel like the like the Red is it red or is it R E D? Because I've heard people do refer to it both ways.
0: It 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 can be whatever, but I usually go R E D.
1: Yeah. So in the R E D faction, they almost—I mean, especially with the three-letter, you know, I mean, kind of acronym name—they they feel like. Not, I wouldn't say the first time, but the first time in a while that there's been like a cool heel faction in Dragon Gate, where like it's a faction where like ostensibly everything about the way that they act is heelish, but the crowd. Is refusing to accept them as heels and like mm. that's especially f- seemingly happening with with pack i mean even the match with dragon kid i think and you talk about like working with a star like dragon kid is over and respected in dragon gate but that match the structure and everything about it like i i liked it i liked it a lot and i may have even liked it more than the KZ match for the kind of for the execution and for the like mechanics of the match but, like, for the heat and for the reaction, it didn't feel like Pack got, like, a lot of sympathy on Dragon Kid to where, like, the crowd was getting behind him as, like, a baby face. You know what I mean? I think, like, the crowd yeah. still wanted to, to cheer Pac. And so, like, that's why I would say I like the KZ match more because it was clear KZ was the underdog baby face and Pac was, like, a more bullying heel. And even then, still, it felt like the crowd was, like, still kind of split in that they liked which part of it might be the fact that he's still in dragon gate which i think we all thought was like a hiccup that he was going to come in and win the title just to have like a run and pop some houses and then go to like new japan which now it seems like is not happening and maybe like this aew thing changes kind of the dynamics of everything to the point where pack maybe doesn't ever leave dragon gate like he can stay there because he respects and cares about that company for doing what they did for him and he can like supplement what money he could be making as a star by having big time matches in aew as well like mm. is that i mean do you think that that's like like likely the scenario or do you think he that's does move I, on the,
0: that's what i thought was the plan that's like after i uh after the first press conference and we got the pack announcement that's what i thought the plan was I'm not sure now what's still going on, and again, like this is all some to me just some big worked shoot, uh half shoot bullshit. So I don't so I don't know where we're at right now, but that's initially what I thought. The question I do have though is, so you're all in no, no pun intended because <laughs> God that's a terrible pun, but you are completely sold on the idea that. The battle royal is going to turn into an AEW title match on the same show.
1: No, the winner of the battle royal is going. Yeah, to, to make yeah. sure. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So yeah, the winner
0: yeah. goes on to face the Hangman. Okay. Yeah,
1: I'm like a hundred percent. This is what's going to happen, and I don't know. I don't even know who's going to win. Honestly, I couldn't even say for sure who I think is going to win the match. But I think whoever it is, they go on to face, um, Page, and it's for the title. And honestly, you know what would make probably the most sense. Is that it's it's Janela?
0: Yeah, yeah. I was gonna say Janella, or I would have said um, MJF.
1: Yeah, one of those two. But I think Janella, because then you get to play off that it's a rematch from from um, from All In. Okay. You know, and that was—I mean, I've already yeah. heard people saying that was kind of the show stealer from All In, and in a lot of ways, it was that match ruled and then you get to play off of that. So then you don't have just a cold match where it's just a random person wrestling Hangman Page. You have someone who in the universe of, of AEW has history with, with Page, you know, and I think that you could definitely mm-hmm. go into that. And then you've got what's ostensibly, I mean, the biggest star in American indie wrestling. I don't know. I think you could try to argue with that, but I think to me, I don't think there's much of an argument that the biggest star in American indie wrestling is Joey Janela right now. Um, going up against Hangman Page, who's like the guy who should be king. Like in a lot of ways, I feel like he's he's definitely who they should put the title on. He's definitely the guy who should be the champion. When I say definitely, I mean maybe it's not time. Like maybe they need they should. He's cooled down from not really being anywhere for the past couple months, as he's really not worked anywhere. But like in a lot of ways, I think he's the guy for them, and he they can make him into a star where he's like the AEW talent. So. To me, that makes sense. I think you have Paige walk away with the championship, um, and uh, yeah, and I think you're off to the races from there. You know what I mean? Like that's that's what makes sense to me. But like that almost feels like uh, like leading into our prediction or our kind of breakdown of the kind of the what should be essentially the opening match of the show, which is the Casino Royale Battle Royal. Um, so I'm going on record, I guess, here saying I think Joey Janelli wins it and then gets a title shot later in the night against Adam Page. Um, what do you think of this of the battle royal in general? The concept? The five man thing seems dumb. Um, but uh but otherwise, what do you what do you what's your opinion on this battle royal thing? I mean
0: I, I mean, I like the idea that someone's gonna get a title shot after this. Um when that title shot comes to fruition, we're gonna we're gonna have to see about that. But I like the idea. Um I'll go outside the box. I'm not gonna assume that the person here is going to go on to face hangman for the belt later on the
1: show. But that I mean, outside so, the box, I feel like I'm a crazy man. And like, this is the only time oh, I've heard oh. anyone say it. So outside the box, you're oh, actually totally. going with the normal conversation. Like, yeah, no, I, I think I'm going
0: to give a pick that people maybe aren't going for. I'm going to go for Sonny Kiss to win a battle Royal.
1: That's, I mean, that would be a great idea.
0: I'm going to go for Sonny Kiss to win a battle Royal here. Um, and it, it Regardless of who winds up as champion, say Hangman does wind up as champion anyway. I think there's a really good match in Hangman Page versus Sunny Kiss, just for the size disparity. Um, typically with Sunny Kiss, I would like him to be in there with someone who's a little bit more of a firm heel. But as long as there's someone in there who can sort of ragdoll Sunny around, and he can get his spots in and get in some of the, some of his really cool offense then I have no problem at all with sort of a face-versus-face matchup of uh, Sonny Kiss versus whoever is the AW champ by the time he gets his title shot.
1: Yeah, and that, honestly, that works for me. What I'm thinking, what pops in my head is I've seen a, like good matchups between, um, between Hangman Page and his former tag team partner, Corey Hollis, um, where he can work mm. with a smaller guy and he's able to kind of throw them around, especially someone like Hollis who can play a little bit on the goofier side, a little bit more comedy and, and sunny kiss. I won't say is comedy, but eccentric style. So a smaller eccentric style um, baby face to play off of. I think that Paige can make that work for sure. Um, so that's a good mm. call. I would say my dark horse pick. If, if my insane booking strategy doesn't come to fruition, you know what I see is Jordan grace. I see mm. AEW making a big time shot on their first show where they have their heavyweight championship number one contender being Jordan Grace because she was the star of the first Battle Royal, and I think that they are going to come out kind of guns blazing saying, like, we're going to do the women can fight with the men in a way that's not like Lucha Underground where it's like a fucking, like, just a real disgusting trope and actually, like, make it work with a strong... Female wrestler. So that would be my dark horse, but my number one pick is still going to be janella wins it, gets the title shot later in the night. Um, the next match that's supposed to be on the pre show, right? It's a officially announced as pre show. Sammy gravara versus Kip Sabian, a guy that I think both of us are pretty well familiar with. Sammy gravara a guy who I've been talking up for way too long at this point, it feels like. Uh, Kip Sabian, a guy who I've been iffy, hit or miss. I think you're higher on him. I get him. From the in the AEW universe because I I heard this on the Grapple podcast they talked about how he's he could be like the UK Miz for AEW in that like he's got that personality and that charisma that you could yeah he's
0: very annoying um I'm gonna be honest with you I've liked Kip as a face more um so. I get them saying, like, UK Miz. Well,
1: what they were saying, but, uh, so before you go off on this, because I know where you're going, what they were saying is the kind of guy that can be on the morning talk shows and get interviewed. Oh,
0: gotcha, gotcha, yeah, gotcha. Yeah, gotcha. yeah okay, but okay.
1: yes, also in the, ring, in the wrestling context, definitely similar to the Miz in that regard, too. But they were talking about for, like, for, if you're talking about getting the name out there, getting the AEW brand out there in the UK. But, mm-hmm. but yeah, I think I honestly do also agree that he's probably a better baby face. And if we're going to talk about, I mean, fuck, we might as well get to it on the first episode because you know, we are basically the Lucha forever fan club, me and you. Um, he was a fucking amazing baby face in Lucha forever. Like, you know what I mean? So yeah, I think mm. he was a great baby face.
0: And I, and I think that's what they're going to wind up going with here. I think they're setting up Sammy to be his, um, you know what he should be like a typical douchebag. heel. like that's like, that's the act. That's what he's been the last few years. And I think they're going to lean into that a little bit more here. And I think they're going to run with Kip as a face for a little bit. I don't know how long that lasts. That may, that might just be for this match. But I do think we're going to get a pretty clear heel-face dynamic in this. With uh, You know, if we're going to go ahead and make some predictions, I got Sammy Guevara winning this pretty clear.
1: Yeah, and you know what? They set it up really well because Sammy Guevara is playing a disingenuous babyface character on Being the Elite. Which I don't know if you've watched any of it, but like that's kind of what I, ju-
0: the- I just wa- I just watched an episode. Yeah, um, right before we started this, as like some sort of way to catch up because I haven't watched Being the Elite in months, and seeing Fuego del Sol on my computer screen in <laughs> Being the Elite. And a show filmed by the Young Bucks. It's like, what the fuck is going on?
1: It's it's crazy. That's one of the craziest things about... And I thought about this recently with AEW being what it is and, like, with the cons and, like, based in Jacksonville, running shows in Chicago. But, but like, because the Bucks are involved and because the, being the elite is such a big part of this brand, it's like, I think of it still as, like, a SoCal fed. And, like, so Fuego Del Sol makes perfect sense to be showing up. But, like, it's not. It's... Like, AEW is this not fucking, a Southern California fan. fucking
0: batshit. Like, well, yeah. I don't know why he's there, but, like, okay, cool. Like, if we're going winds we up getting a spot in the Battle Royal or winds up getting a contract somehow, like, I'll be stoked.
1: <laughs> I wouldn't be surprised. But, yeah, they, they, they've been setting up Sammy as playing this kind of disingenuous babyface character where, like, I think Cody Rhodes, like, kind of mocks him and everyone dislikes him, but he's just trying to be nice and likable. And I think that that comes to a head here perfectly because you've got – Sammy Gravara, a guy who's like a heel trying to pretend to be a babyface and then you've got Kip Sabian, who I think in this presentation is like a babyface who they're trying to present as a heel and then it's like a nice little wrinkle in the match where it comes out, Sammy's the heel Kip's the babyface and then you get you get Sammy in, ending up winning through some kind of nefarious means you know what I mean, and that, that makes sense um, so from there, on this list that I'm looking at which is like not any better than any other list possibly the next match i see is the the joshi uh six man or six woman i guess um that's why i like to say trios um (laughs) just so that i don't gender the thing so i will try really hard to stick with that so you've got the the joshi trios match um you can help me a little bit here because i'm familiar with almost everybody in here except for like uh ima sakuraba and i've seen a little bit of ryo ryo Muzanami. i think i've seen maybe one match of i mean obviously i know who aja kong is um uh yukia sakazaki i've seen a bit of uh shida hikura shida i'm pretty familiar with especially um I'm familiar with her in the rumors that she was dating Kenny Omega at one point, who knows if she still is, which is interesting that I've heard like no one talk about that other than talk about that. She's very marketable. I'm like, yeah, she is very marketable. And also AEW is probably maybe like inclined to market her because she may, you know, one of the executive presidents of talent relations might have an affinity for her in a personal way. (laughs) Um, So she may end up being the biggest star of this match coming out of it. And uh, you've got, a star maker on the opposite side of the match with Aja Kong, so you know, I mean, I I could see Aja Kong and Sheeta being the, kind of the focuses of this match. But Quentin, what's kind of your takeaway and what's going to end up happening in this match?
0: Um, this one is really a toss-up. So uh, Sakura and uh, Rio, they're uh, from Gato move uh Rio's very young. Sakura's on the older side. I think Sakura's like. 41 or 42 um uh Mizunami's from Wave and Sakazaki is from Tokyo Joshi Pro so I just wanted to clear that up a little bit because I know there was there would be some people that sort of assumed that this was all um they were all coming from the same company No, and yeah this is like a big uh Mash up.
1: Well, how many uh, of them are like they, officially signed? Because I know that Aja is freelance. Sheeta, I think, recently turned freelance. Um, I'm pretty sure.
0: I'm, I think she. I think Sheeta is the only one that's and Sheeta's AW. Right. The rest of them, I'm pretty sure, are are signed. Okay. To their respective to their respective companies. Aja is freelance. So that's why this is a little weird, because, like, it's, it's really it's just, like, so, like, a bunch of companies coming together for this. Like, they feel like they just plucked people from all these companies, and we are like, alright, like, here, this is what we're gonna do. So, if I had to predict, predict anything, I'm gonna predict Aja Kong winning. Okay. Just because I, just, uh, Aja Kong side winning, because she's the most recon- recognizable name here, and you can get, you can get that, but we have... Uh, Shida, who's actually signed AEW on the opposite side, that makes it a little bit more of a toss-up. So there's no strong predict- prediction to give here, but I'm going to go with uh, Kong, Sakura, and Sakazaki winning that.
1: Yeah, I mean, if I'm going to get into I want to get into it a little bit nerdy. This is the only match where I think that this matters because we're talking about politics of, of Japanese Joshi companies, and we kind of talked about it earlier where... Or at least I did mention like Dragon Gate, New Japan, like politics in Japan for finishes still matters. I think we do get Aja taking the win on Sheeta. I think because Sheeta's the only one who's actually signed to AEW. I think she's the only one who AEW would have the authority to job, basically. Mm. So I assume Aja gets the win on Sheeta, and I, I I assume that you make something out of it because, like I said, I think that Sheeta is the the future star, and I think Aja Kong clearly in this match is the star maker, even at her age i think that she has the best presence i mean i don't know actually sakura and aja are probably pretty close to the same age um you you you
0: know actually you might be onto something with shida taking the fall because uh sakura Sakazaki, and uh rio all are holding belts in their respective companies the only one that's not is a mizunami and mizunami has um Held titles and and wave on her own right but she's not holding one currently so yeah that might be that might be sheila taking the fall
1: yeah and i think that you can make it work um because you can uh you know you can you can use this as like a a, a key loss on the first show to then build her back up and i think that that's a smart move and that's probably where they go with it um from there it'll be interesting what they do Uh, and again this is this is going to be reminiscent if people have watched if people listening to this have seen a lot of like the Japanese produce shows like where they just bring in a lot of stars from random companies this is most certainly going to be kind of the Josie showcase thing that like historically happens on these big, like it'll primarily be like an anniversary or a retirement show for like a big star. They'll bring in, you know, Joshi's from a bunch of different companies and the politics of it are like a big fucking deal in the background. And then the match itself, like the politics don't matter at all. So it's like, it's weird the way that Japanese wrestling, like the storylines of what's going on behind the scenes can matter a lot, but doesn't reflect in any way in ring. Um, mm. And it's interesting comparatively. So, on this list that I'm looking at, the next match is another women's match. Um, this match, I think, has the potential to fucking rule. <laughs> um, it's the three way women's match with Britt Baker, Nyla Rose, and Kylie Ray. Um, I think me and you both have pretty openly talked about Kylie Ray being probably one of the most important wrestlers in 2019 to be paying attention to kylie ray
0: is the kylie ray is the most important person in this company
1: (laughs) yes um pay attention to kylie ray this is like all of the people who constantly talked about how bailey could be the biggest star in wrestling wwe just needed to know what to do with her once she made it to the main roster all of that pent up kind of emotion that people had in bailey going into the main roster and then kind of having it all deflated kylie ray is that like honestly i hate to say this but like even more increased because i think kylie ray is much better in ring like her wrestling is better than bailey's ever was
0: yeah yeah could you got like with, with i love to have to account I, I know but you gotta account for like stuff like this like the sasha story just being like so well told and everything as far as like even like even in the segments not even in just the in ring the segments leading up to it yes. and Things like that. It's so well told, and they had it like right in the palm of their hands that it was sort of hard to miss. Right. I think Ky- I think Kylie Ray just as an individual, just so hard to miss. And to this match in particular, I think Kylie Ray should witness And what I would do after is have Nyla Rose attack her to sort of to set up that as a program. But I would definitely give Kylie Ray a win here, and. Sort of establish that she's going to be the leading face of this uh, women's division, and then have Nyla Rose set up immediately as uh, uh like I don't know maybe the top heel. I'm not sure who else you get in that position. I mean, Aja um, to me,
1: Aja Kong feels like the the one that stands out as the top heel. But you don't know how much they're going to be able to get her, and how much she can really work. But even in 2018, 2019 like aja can still be a really awesome top heel. You know what I mean for Oh
0: yeah, I, I, I just still good. Yeah. She still she can still be very good at times. It's just, it's just a matter of is this just a one-off thing and will aja be here or be or be in AW um that many times for it to matter or for her to even be considered a heel or anything on the roster. I think for what you have right now because I I know there are people that they are waiting for or trying to get in the coming months whether that's jordan grace or tessa blanchard ideally you get both of them to uh jump on jump on jump on board by the end of the year but if you have a tessa blanchard then obviously like that writes us up although tessa has been a very good face so that might not even be the right move either so well looking at what we have
1: oh sorry go ahead no finish what you're saying
0: yeah, and but, but Tessa's been so good as a face that that might not even be the right move either. So, looking at what they might have to work with, Nyla Rose probably is the best choice to be the top heel.
1: Yeah, and that's I mean, that's not wrong. To me, as soon as I started seeing what women they were announcing before matches were announced, the the dream scenario for me was we we get to Kylie versus Kong. You know what I mean? Like that felt mm. like the match because I can't think of people that are more better suited for each other. You have kind of the just unabashed brute bruiser heel versus the technically savvy plucky underdog babyface that you can just have like this really, really great dynamic with. Like it would just work so well, but you do have to work within the confines of what you have. You talk about Jordan Grace, which I already, I, to me, Jordan Grace is a, like, uh, just a, Un- I don't even... I, oh, I can't think of the word, but it's like something, something conclusion, like a uh, whatever. It's just... It's happening. Jordan Grace is... like a foreg- foregone conclusion. Foregone conclusion is the word that I was looking for. Thank you very much. Or statement, I guess. It's not a word. Um, but you mentioned Tessa. Tessa and Jordan have had amazing chemistry with each other in Impact and on social media. So if you somehow got both of them, you have like an instant package that you can build a lot of different directions off of they can be a tag team they can be friends they can work together they could also turn on each other and their friendship could turn into a rivalry that would be really interesting so that is like a thing to think about because where do you go with both of them jordan jordan's interesting to me because she feels like a natural heel but
0: she, she but she like but that's the but she isn't yeah like, she's she, she, just like you look like, just, just by like look and like honestly like jordan's gotten a lot more likable on twitter than she used to be right but if you just went but if you went by like how jordan graces uh twitter came across a couple of years ago plus couple with her look then like easily she comes across as a heel but she's gotten amazingly more likable yeah as um as, as time has went on okay but so but
1: quentin be honest are you saying that because you saw her wearing watermelon spandex
0: <laughs> <laughs> I, I can't i can't i can't say so if i saw the if i saw if i saw if i saw the one with the rapper shirt yes i might have had the eye roll but i didn't i didn't, you didn't see, see that, that one. okay
1: okay fair that's fair um yeah i mean she is very likable she i mean she's a, a multi-platform artist as i do order, i do have um some of her literary work <laughs> sitting in my living room with her zines you know what i mean so so she is very likable and like the match that she had recently i don't know if you saw it, but the match with nick gage that she had in um black label pro was amazing
0: oh, oh i didn't see that did you see um uh
1: the ethan page or no
0: yeah i i, I think they had a rematch didn't they Jordan yes. ethan Page? yeah well, you haven't got around to that one either
1: but yeah, um, yeah, so, like, that's, I mean, she's so good as a baby face that, like, yeah, like, she feels like she should be a natural heel, but she's just, there's something about her where she's not, it's, it's, simi- I'm in the, fuck, I'm going on diatribes, it, it's similar to, like, my feeling with Donovan Dijak, where it's, like, it, it, you look at everything about him and you think heel, but then when you watch them work, it's like, it, it, they're baby faces. it's just, right. you can't get past it. Um, okay, so the next match on my list here, oh, I, oh, actually, I was going to say, I, I, so, I
0: so to go off of me saying Jordan and Tessa seem like people that AEW are waiting on so they can bring them in I think something interesting is that you might see like a good chunk of the impact Impact on women's roster jump ship because you saw um, Allie, formerly known as Cherry Bomb already jump over to the roster and Allie and and, uh, Rosemary have a been connected at the hip for a really long time going from a smash wrestling even and then in the impact and i think there's a good chance you could see rosemary jump ship i think you could see jordan and tessa jump ship and if that all happens we're looking at a really solid women's division that aw might have by the end of the year
1: yeah and that's a good point especially when you think about the talking points that like cody had online where he's talking about Oh, we're... Or maybe it was Jericho, where he's like, Oh, yeah, when it comes to, like, all the people that are on our docket, like, WWE wrestlers account for, like, 2% of the talent that we're, we're even interested in, right? But then he didn't mention Impact. He didn't mention TNA, and he especially didn't mention female wrestlers. You know what I mean? So, yeah, like, the idea that what they're looking at is that knockouts division with from TNA, which people have talked about for a long time as being, like, a crown jewel. And, and it's not even at its peak right now. I mean, comparatively, the Impact's knockout division has been stronger in the past, but it's always been very strong. And the idea that AEW is trying to, like, bring in talent that's underrepresented talent that people are not watching and like getting people excited similar to like WCW bringing in like the cruiserweights from Mexico bringing in wrestlers from Japan like AEW is trying to do the same thing and honestly the female division from Impact kind of fits that mold in that they've had a lot of great matches and they're just not no one's really paying attention to what's going on there so if they bring in a good amount of them Rosemary you know um, Allie jordan grace tessa blanchard taya valkyrie is probably very likely to be coming in relatively soon you know what i mean like then you start getting into like a pretty solid women's division who are all very familiar with each other um mm. so the next match is on my list here is uh what is it it's best friends versus uh, el el giro uh or what is it weto Giro's or whatever the uh jack evans and angelico um the sky Blondes, I think, is the way that it pronounced. I've I've, to...
0: I've never, I've never known their tag team name. I've never cared enough to look up like what's Angelica and Jack Emma's tag name. Yeah, it's um,
1: yeah, I think that it's Wedos Geros or something like that, which means like the, the 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 sky Blondes or something like that. But yeah, <laughs> yeah, who cares, right?
0: Mm, but uh, I'm trying to think. Uh... I'm, I'm gonna go best friends yeah probably i got best, I got best friends here. i got best friends here i'm not particularly excited for this one i think i'm excited to see jack i i'm very i'm very excited to see jack um and helico in his um forays into the european wrestling scene in the last couple of years it just has outside of matches with a Zack Saber Jr. and uh, Mike Bailey. It Travis hasn't Banks. really worked.
1: He had a decent match with Travis Tra- Banks.
0: Yeah, it, it just has. It just hasn't really worked over there. So, I'm I'm cool with seeing him back in the tag team because that's probably what he's best suited for. And Helico's so weird because I know you remember this after that first run of Lucha Underground where the hottest guys coming out of it were at Helico and, Pent- and Pentagon Jr. <laughs> and you're just like, what is going on when you look at it in 2019? because pentagon has been what you thought he would be pentagon has become one of the biggest stars not signed to wwe and then helico's just like it just has it has not worked at all
1: yeah no i mean it's insane because it felt like coming out of lucha underground that he was going to be one of the biggest stars and i mean realistically i guess the only big stars that came out of that show were the lucha brothers which we'll talk about later but like Otherwise, yeah, like, he's completely wasted whatever buzz he had coming out of that. Um, he feels like the worst possible version of, like, ELP, like El Phantasmo. Like, the way that he's gone to the UK scene, like, he went way too late. He's trying to, like, cash in on when it was popular, but he got there, before, like, later than he should have. And he, he, did,
0: he didn't get better either. Like, well, yeah. That was the thing that, like, stuck out to me is, like, as much as I think elp is still extremely mediocre he actually got better from what he was when he first came over so i'm not saying he's good but he got better right. at least right
1: and that's and fair. helico
0: and helico didn't do that
1: but i think the difference is i don't think angelico was trying to get better i think he was literally just like trying to cash in on the idea that wrestling was popular right in the UK. exactly like he feels like a guy who was going there just to try to get noticed and signed you know what i mean and like Mm -hmm. And, and, and ELP was actually going there to try, like, did you hear the, the El Fantasmo interview on like Colt Cabana podcast, or maybe it was, um, what's that fucking guy's name? Flash Morgan Webster's podcast. Might've been Flash. Where he talked about how he. It's it's the same, it's the same
0: thing. Yeah.
1: It's the same podcast. Um, except for, I guess Colt's podcast is not that anymore, but, um, El Fantasmo said that like he was going to go to the UK. He was either going to go to the UK or America. I think he was going to go to America at the same time as Kyle, but his visa fell through at that time, mm. and so Kyle went to America and he didn't. I think that was it.
0: Um, oh no! I like because I, like, I remember even at the time because uh, ELP had announced he was going off to the UK right after that big match with Kyle happened. Yeah, and so I so I know that when. ELP went that it was genuine. Yeah, I know that, and I will never, t- I'll never take that away from him. As like despite what I think of, think of him as a wrestler, despite that, despite the fact that I think that him coming in to New Japan and getting like this big push is fucking strange. I'm not gonna act like he came to the he came to the UK specifically to get put on or just hop onto the scene. He he came to get better, and it was extremely genuine. Um, and Helico was just. I can't say he's disappointing because I can't say he was ever great. Right. But it's just sort of like, hmm, like you thought that someone would have just really liked him enough to just go, go, you know, full hog with him and just no one did.
1: Yeah, and you would think that, like, Riptide would have had him, ha- like, win a bunch of matches against Chuck Mambo or something. You know what I mean? Like, at this <laughs> point. But, uh, but no one has cared. And, like, I don't blame them. Like, he's a guy who had a couple decent performances in AAA and then was a breakout star in Lucha Underground where like the the matches are super edited to where like basically you're watching like backyard wrestling music videos on TV and like I mean in a lot of ways it's like Wrestling Society X so it's like Yeah, and this match, I mean, this match smacks of, like, it's booked by people who haven't been paying attention. It's like the Young Bucks, the last time they've seen Jack Evans and Angelica was when they wrestled them in PWG, like, three years ago.
0: Yeah, it was probably like that. And that match wasn't good either. That match,
1: I mean, I was there live, and that match, the most interesting thing was when Jack Evans flew from inside of the ring to outside of the ring and kicked my brother in the face. Like, that's the most (laughs) memorable moment from that match. So, like, yeah, otherwise that match kind of sucked. Um
0: Um, I think... Are they running with Chuck and Trent as heels in AEW?
1: It seems like it, but it also seems like they're playing off of the, like, unhinged Trent gimmick that they were doing in New Japan towards the end.
0: Oh, you meant unhinged Chuck. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, okay, okay. Um, okay. I was just trying to think of how this match would even look, but I'm guessing that they're probably run with best friends, uh, working on top. Yeah, I... I'm I'm gonna go with go with best friends here. Best friends I, win I it. That, yeah, yeah,
1: best friends yeah, win it.
0: A A A W was like, I get bringing in Helico and Jack, and I'm especially happy for Jack. But yeah, this is this should be best friends all the way.
1: Yeah, best friends win it, and I think that you, this is ends up with an angle that you play off of to like continue the storyline with the unhinged kind of gimmick, and then uh, then you go from there, Jack. I mean, realistically, I don't know what Jack's ceiling even is at this point. I don't know that he's a
0: just. Just give, just give Jack a microphone. Like that's right. all, that's all I want. Just give Jack the microphone, and let him take an awful waffle from Chuck, and I'll be perfectly content with this match.
1: Yeah, exactly. Like what we what we really need the way that we could be the most blessed in 2019, maybe 2020, based on the way that year is shaking out, is that if at some point AEW or GCW books us. Jack Evans versus uh, Slim J, in like just <laughs> the most crazy, just fuck nutty match. That's like this could have been an ROH ten years ago, but it's happening now, and they're still just Whoa. insane. You know what I mean? Like that's that's yeah. kind of where I just hope we end up at some point, and I feel like that could be a lot of fun. Um, all right, next match I got on my list is SoCal Uncensored versus the Owe Crew, which I this. What I see here shows me Shima, T-Hawk, and Lindemann,
0: which... Yeah, that's that's what it is. Which is,
1: like, what I would have picked, but I heard a lot of people saying that, like, it was going to be OWE people, but, like, if I was going to pick, this is, like, my dream, kind of my dream scenario for it, so...
0: I think people that say that, like, a lot of those guys aren't ready for a spot like this. And granted, granted, I will say that if you were to put some of the um, newer... OWE guys into a match with people I would put them in there with SoCal Uncensored yes. but that still that's like a huge fucking risk if anything I would would have had a guy or two tag along like you know bring bring Dwan with you and you know let Dwan get in a nutty spot like after the match or something with a uh, SCU being heels and getting ran off by Dwan doing some crazy kip-up drop kick or something like that like that have been it but if you, as far as like an actual match like that was a huge risk and I all people saying this on twitter i i wonder if people hurt like here that it's going to be Owe in this tag match and then incorrectly assume it's going to be like these guys that, that the that they saw in these crazy gifs on twitter right and like, that, like, that's not these guys at all. Like, that's clearly not Shima anymore. That's clearly not Lindeman and T-Hawk. <laughs>
1: it's never been Lindemann, it, I mean, and T-Hawk either, actually, really.
0: Right. So, I'm hoping that's not what people thought it was. But either way, like, you can't really worry about stuff like that. As far as, like, I'm actually really excited for this. I think there's a chance this is maybe the best match on the show. Yes. So, I'm very into it. Um hmm i'm gonna go i'm gonna go strong hearts on that one i think building up shima and building up that crew is probably the smarter Is probably the smarter move as things go along because so socal, SoCal centered like they're good like off the, like, just off the strength of being the elite i think they're gonna be fine and the fan base is never gonna really think anything of them if they if they lose this match year so i'm gonna go ahead and pick strong hearts but this is my sleeper for match of the night.
1: Yeah, and I don't disagree with that. Honestly, I um, I think, honestly, when I initially was thinking about it, I expected um, Roger to be in this, um, mm. just because I thought you know there was a chance that uh, that you would, uh, just because you could show him off. He's big. He works, but like. Also, I have to remember, like, this is not, like, Japan. And, like, they have plenty of, like, big-time stars and people that, like, they can do something with. And Roger stands out from, like, the OWE crew because of his size, but he wouldn't really stand out here. And he doesn't really have the um, aura to him yet. He hasn't really developed that. Um, so, yeah, I would... I. I if i like i said if i was gonna dream pick the team this would have been the team that i would have picked for the owe you exactly uh, like
0: like maybe for me i might have took out Lindemann and put in yamamura but yamamura's hurt and like that's the only thing that i would like i, I would have thought about but this is the perfect team especially for the sponsor right and
1: well and my only issue with that is that i feel like yamamura like yamamura then like adds to the twinge of the team being more heels and I feel like Lindeman. I think this has to be a babyface team. And I think that Lindeman, like he had a, a, to me, I enjoyed his heel run in Dragon Gate, but he's much better as a babyface. I think he's even though with his style not being super flashy, I think he's a better babyface. Um, so I'm going to do this is another match where I think like I'm going to predict like the actual sequence of events. So my prediction will actually be Shima gets the pin on Christopher Daniels. And on top of just, like, the way that the storyline works out, I feel like it um, it's going to play off of the fact that uh, the only time before that these two have ever, ever interacted with each other was uh, Daniel's got the win. Daniel's team won. I think that he's going to want to repay the favor and job out to the leg- a legend like Shima in America. On top of the fact that I think that Christopher Daniels is basically bulletproof um, in general you know what I mean like I don't think he cares about wins and losses at this point and I think that he's gonna give a win to Shima just to put over the the, the kind of legend so that's like kind of my prediction there and I'm with you that like I think SEU fucking rules like you know I, I I know I'm in LA so I might be a bit of a homer here and I might be biased but I think all three guys in SEU are both fucking fantastic and i think all three guys on the owe team are fucking awesome like i like all three i like all six guys in this match so i think there's no way this match doesn't kick ass you know and so i'm and, and,
0: and, then, every, and then everything else on this card is like you know looks kind of iffy especially when you get to the stuff that's um on the marquee so we can go ahead and move on we talked about hangman and you know that vacant spot already yes we so we can move on from that uh Cody versus Dustin Rhodes. There we go. I do not... Okay, this is a bad job on my part. I should have watched the videos that they've been doing for this match. I have not done that yet, and I will do so before the show happens. But, John Paper, boy am I not really that, that intrigued for this one.
1: These are two awesome tag workers who have been an awesome tag team together you know, but in a single setting and against each other, I don't know.
0: I think I do think there'll be some sort of motivation factor. There will be blood. There'll definitely be blood. Um, I think there's sort of this, there's this sort of motivation factor because the time they did get the feud together in WWE, I like think that was 2015 and that was the stardust versus gold dust stuff. And I think that, I think they were both very disappointed in how that stuff went And I think there's going to be some motivation here for them to get the brother versus brother thing right this time. But still, it's Cody and Dustin. Well, a much older Dustin, despite how great he's been, even as recently as what, like, what, how, how long ago was that? Like four or five years ago.
1: (laughs) I mean, Dustin has been awesome. Two, three years ago, really? Like, he's... I mean, yeah, in, in, in Flash... In this in, in, in
0: flashes, yeah. Yeah, like, consistency. We'll like,
1: Consistent-wise, like, the last amazing consistent run he had was probably when he was, like, the guy who would shine up ECW wrestlers, which was, like, six years ago, seven years ago, in that range.
0: Hmm. So, like, I have my, um... worries about this match, but... I think there's a they they, these guys are smart enough as to where they'll have enough bells and whistles in order to make that thing interesting. The crowd will be hot for it, so I'm sure I'm sure it'll be all right. But on paper, I'm just not that into it. I mean, and I think I and I I probably would be if I did watch the videos. I will say
1: bells and whistles is a a great way to uh, to describe it because you know these guys both famously sons of uh, Dusty Rhodes who was known for the the bull rope match that would have the bell in the middle of the rope um (laughs) they will they'll will on top of the fact that they'll know how to make it work they also have the control with cody rhodes being an executive producer to protect protect whatever gimmicks or whatever kind of hoopla they want to add to their match so that it'll feel special in in their match so they've got everything going for them here But I said it before, people who have followed my talkings in other podcast forums. um, The money is with the Rhodes Brothers tag team, really. Because these are, I just said it, but I mean, these guys are both fucking phenomenal tag workers. Like, Dusty, Dustin is known. People talk about him as one of, probably, top five minimum tag worker of all time. Is that crazy? Like, Quentin, do you think that's a crazy statement?
0: No, of of, of course not. Especially for the kind of people that we usually inter- interact with that's where Dustin usually is yeah. like a top 5 caliber guy and
1: I feel like talking about him as a top 5 all time tag worker is like like almost unfair because like you got the a lot of people will basically give the Rock and Roll Express 1 and 2 just for like being in the Rock and Roll Express but just like
0: oh, oh wait, wait till this show Gives going on as the the beats go by. And I give to how much I really don't think the Rock and Roll Express are that good, but carry on. Well, and
1: and here's the shitty thing about the Rock and Roll Express. It's like when you compare them as tag workers, their only resume is as the Rock and Roll Express. When either one of them tried to foray outside of Rock and Roll Express, they weren't very good. You know what I mean? But it's like Dustin was a great tag team wrestler with a multitude of partners and throughout the decades and in totally different ways. So it's like, it's really unfair that, like, When you talk about the top tag workers of all time, you've got these two guys who happen to be in this one very popular tag team who we can debate about how good they were. That's not even what I'm talking about. But the fact that, like, all they did was be in a good tag team with each other and people then give them both credit as being amazing tag team workers. They are a fantastic tag team. That's not my argument. My argument is, like... They're not great tag workers just because they both happen to be really good with each other. Because they didn't have... like, There's not really a lot of examples of them being great tag workers outside of that one tag team that just happened to work really well. Either way, that's a diatribe that's not for tonight. But...
0: I think I think what you're saying here is Yu Nakayama is the best tag wrestler of all time. Yes,
1: yes. He really is. And he's the number one best pillar. But this is my hobby horse, and I'm going to... I'm going to—I have to get in on the first episode, and thank you for setting me up here because you didn't mean to. If people are going to argue that Junya Akiyama is actually the best pillar, I'm not saying he has to be number one, but then we have to accept Ogawa as a pillar. Ogawa (laughs) deserves—he can be number four. He can be the fourth best pillar above Tawei, I guess. But, like, if you're going to say that Akiyama is a pillar, then Ogawa is a pillar also. So, just it, before you open your mouth saying that June is, is the best pillar, remember that that means that Ogawa is also a pillar. Either way, um, but Cody also had a lot of great tag teams. Like, historically, Cody has been a great tag team wrestler. I was thinking about it today. Um, Fortune. Fortune was a group, right, in WWE. Was that uh, Cody? Oh, that was, um,
0: that was uh, I, forgot, I forgot. Oh, that what was in TNA. Was. That
1: was in Impact, wasn't it?
0: Yeah, but I forgot. I, I get it. I get how you could easily get those. Those, no, those are around, around the same. Because
1: time. Um, Cody and both of the DBossy brothers in FCW were the Fortunate Sons. And I oh, thought that okay. when they went to the main roster, that eventually Cody and DBossy Jr., Ted Jr., were Fortune. But that's not true. Fortune was TNA, which was. A, yeah, Fortune is the,
0: one of the worst tables of all yes, time. Yes, it was
1: a. No, but actually, when you look at work like work-wise it was a great tag team because it was like aj kaz um bobby Roode, yeah yeah bobby Rude and james storm um and i think, Rick I Flair. think christopher daniels
0: was in it yes I and think christopher daniels, daniels was it, in was it, it was actually
1: like six people and they were called fortune four like they would do a, a four <laughs> yeah, they, event, but there was... yeah then
0: dan then, then daniels was the fifth. yes exactly <laughs> it was, was
1: like... phenomenal it was phenomenal tna at its best to everyone um but uh but yeah so Cody, though, had a lot of great tag teams. I mean, the Bob Hawley tag team was good. Then the Ted DiBiase tag team was great. The trios with him and, and uh, DiBiase and uh, Randy Orton was amazing. Like, And that was a um, uh, legacy. Um mm. was fantastic. And then he continued from there. He had the tag team with Damian Sandow that was really good. Yeah. Um, And then, you know, as he's been... The team with his brother. Yeah, the team with his brother was also great. Then he continued to have, like, working in different tag teams and trios with the Young Bucks and other members of uh, the Elite and Bullet Club. So, like, these are two amazing tag team workers who are brothers who have a history of being a great tag team together. Don't have a great history of being in singles matches against each other, even though they've really only had one and then a tease in a Royal Rumble that was really good. Um, So, like, to me, the money is getting to the Rhodes Brothers as a tag team. So this match i don't expect much from i just expect that like eventually we get to the tag team and that's where we'll have some fun and when we talk about them getting to a tag team as a tag team they'll be able to have some really great matches against this next uh two tag teams that happen to be going against each other which is two tag teams of brothers the young bucks and the lucha brothers for the triple a world tag team titles which i guess triple a has announced that they're already rematching each other like a week after this show for the titles again um, so I feel like people are saying that gives away the win, but I, like to me, like I don't know that, that means anything. It's a Triple A title, like Triple A titles uh, don't mean anything.
0: Of course, but I, but I imagine that if the Bucks are going to take the trip to Mexico the next the week after, then the Bucks are probably going to win on their show and then yeah. go back and drop, the, and drop the titles. Which I, which it, what I was trying to think of here is because I didn't, I don't think the Bucks are going to lose here. I. I don't think the elite guys are that heads a thrown asses about, oh, I'm not going to lose. I'm not, I'm not going to lose my own show or anything like that. I think those guys are all pretty reasonable and pretty, de- and pretty uh, decent when it comes to stuff like that. So it was never a thing about, oh, the Bucks can't lose on their show. It just, the story didn't call for the Lucha Brothers winning at this point in time. So that's why I always was thinking for a Bucks win and you know them heading to triple the week after that does to me signify a little bit that they're probably going to win here but what's your take here are you excited for this match
1: not really but only because I've seen both these teams have like the pinnacle of what they can do multiple times in PWG for years at this point like and the craziest part about it is that like I don't know that the Lucha brothers have ever topped the match that they had against Heroes Eventually Die on Bola like 2017 2018 that like people didn't even at that point they weren't even like a regular tag team you know what I mean like they didn't even really even like put it out there that they were brothers
0: yet well, yeah that, that, that yeah that and then I honestly like the um Bucks tag title match. The um, yes was that night three. Yes, mm, yeah, I, I like that. I like that a lot too. Yeah, and and so I think
1: since then the Lucha Brothers have not really had matches as good. So like, but the thing is, there's a chance because the Young Bucks have shown over the years that like their bodies haven't really deteriorated to the point where they can't still do the stuff, and they've actually gotten smarter in the way that they put their matches together especially in big time situations repeatedly they've delivered you know what I mean like I especially remember there was a three way ladder match that they did in Vegas maybe two years ago with um uh what the fuck I mean, we'll
0: with Gormwood third. yeah
1: the one with um with uh the Briscoes and um I'm trying to say Bad Intentions whatever their name is With
0: oh, Oh, you think it was um, it was a three it was a three uh, three team ladder match. Yes, yes, yes. Uh, oh, because then that was final. Then that then, yeah, that was final battle actually. Yeah. That was final battle. That was the Bucks, Briscoes, and um, SCU. Yeah, yeah, yeah.
1: S- yeah, exactly. Um, and that match like showed that the Bucks, in a big setting, because that match I was like ready to be disappointed by, you know, and it delivered like even bigger than I expected, and a lot of people really liked it even more than I did, um. So the Bucks have shown that they're able to deliver in big spots and come up with even crazier stuff. The Lucha Brothers are always game for the most part. Um, people are talking about Phoenix. No showing a recent, was it AIW or AAW show?
0: Yeah, I think, I, think, I think it was AIW.
1: And the thing is that I don't know that like he didn't maybe miss that show so that he would be 100% for this match. Like It's not insane to think that maybe he took a week off so that he could – rest up and be ready um, for a big time showing and Phoenix I mean I know that you're not on the same page as me but I have been in the camp of like Phoenix might secretly be like at least top three babyface in the world but like people don't really notice it because like he doesn't get a lot of opportunities but when he clicks I think he can really knock it out of the park Um, so there's a chance that this could be like the, the meeting of all the worlds and you just have like this phenomenal big time like knock it out of the park match but it, ha-
0: it, ha- it has all the, it has all the potential to be that and then it could also just be like 20 plus minutes of stuff that just doesn't emotionally connect with me at all mm-hmm. what that, that's mo- most lucha brothers matches and it could bring the worst out of the out of the young bucks and that's worst case scenario but you know this is a big spot so maybe we do get something that is a little bit more worthwhile here
1: yeah and i think that unfortunately we've had years of the lucha brothers showing up in places like wxw and fight club pro and having whatever or showing up at like wrestlemania weekends and doing whatever matches especially in singles settings but we don't have that history with the young bucks so i think it's really easy to look at this and be pessimistic because we've seen a lot of like whatever from the lucha bros but the Young Bucks almost never disappoint. So I think that they're going to go out of their way to make sure that this delivers in a big way. All right. so uh, with, Ready to get to the main yeah, event Yeah, so with Paige and Pac gone, I mean, I feel like this has to be the main event, right?
0: I don't think Pac versus Paige was ever going to really be the main event, quote-unquote. But I get what you're saying. and I, I think this match is probably what was always pretty easily like the biggest thing that was gonna happen on this show.
1: Yeah, that feels right. But to me I think like there was a time where I thought that Pac and and, and Paige could have been The
0: way the way the way they were building it, you could, I, I could get why you thought that. Yeah. But as far as just like the names involved, like it was never gonna be above uh this match here it's uh Chris Jericho versus Kenny Omega.
1: I mean one guy that me and you have both talked about ad nauseum at this point in Kenny Omega Another guy that I don't think me and you have ever spoken to each other, at least about, in Chris Jericho. um, In, like, a rematch from a really huge match that was, like, kind of divisive, but also, I think, like, pretty universally appreciated. I don't know. What do you think about their first match?
0: I liked it. Yeah. Um, I thought Jericho was the better guy in the match. Which I think probably wasn't um, a thing a lot of people said. I'm not. I'm not too sure. I know that people prefer the Naito matches, and I was a little confused as to why. I felt like thematically and just how it was worked, um, they were similar. I, I I saw people saying like the Naito Jericho matches were more hateful. I guess. Um, I I didn't really I didn't really get that. I thought the Omega and Naito matches were worked pretty identi- uh, identically, uh, because that's just Jericho's limitations nowadays. He's pretty much working like Undertaker WrestleMania matches at this point. So, like I, I thought I, it all bleeds together for me. But I thought the first Omega Jericho was pretty good.
1: Okay, yeah. I mean, I guess we hadn't really talked that much about it, um, and that's why I was just like kind of wondering where you were on that and again we both historically I don't know where you are at this point in Omega I I think I still consider myself an Omega fan do you still consider yourself a fan of Omega yeah, yeah of
0: course he's still one of the best wrestlers in the world I think 2018 was just a year where he made a lot of missteps where he just should have been honest that made him look really bad I do think there's some stuff people ran with because they already didn't like Kenny, but that t- that stuff totally affected me last year. Um, it's part of why um like you know the Omega Okada finale didn't wind up being my number one match of the year. It's why Kenny didn't make it super high on my wrestler of the year list when we did that together. So I'm still really into Kenny Omega. I think he's still one of the best wrestlers in the world. I think he's still probably going to be the best big match wrestler in the world. Like, the Tanahashi match from Wrestle Kingdom is still one of the best matches that happened this year. And if I really had to think about it, it's probably still in my top five for match of the year. So it's not like I'm not into Ken anymore. It just, the dialogue surrounding him just got way too annoying coming from either end. And I just thought the best way to go about that was to just tune out Omega entirely. And I think the months away from having to see Kenny or watch Kenny has helped because even if I'm not necessarily excited for the match, I'm excited to see Kenny again.
1: Yeah, and that's a, that's a good way to look at it. How do you think he'll do as a kind of like a big-time attraction guy? Or do you think he will be a big-time attraction guy? Because I feel like the way that I fell in love with Kenny was as a workhorse. A workhorse kind of guy, a guy who could have amazing matches every time, all the time, and then now he's kind of like settling into this role where he's like the big match guy. And how do you think he'll do as the big match guy?
0: Um, I feel like that's what he's been the last couple of years already. Right. Um, right. you know, he's obviously he's still a guy that's going to be in the G ones, and he'll do the lesser scale. He he, he was doing the lesser scale. New Japan shows and still giving 100% effort. You know, wrestling on Don Taku and going 20-plus with Adam Page or going 20-plus with guys like Juice Robinson and uh, Trent Beretta on late-in-the-year New Japan shows. I think show that while Kenny was still a workhorse, he was becoming a special attraction guy. So I think this is maybe just the full realization of everything that Kenny has become. Um... In the post-Wrestle uh, Kingdom Okada Omega world. So I'm not too concerned there. I think he'll adjust to that role just fine. I think the problem with Kenny will be. Finding people to plug in to like. His special attraction style. Because. Well I think. the We, have, we didn't go over the roster. And I feel like we're going to go over the roster. In a deep dive way eventually. But. I don't see a lot of people that would be, I guess, like great fits for the for the Kenny Omega style that we've grown accustomed to the last couple of years. And the current Kenny Omega style isn't much different than what Kenny's ever been. It's not much different than what Kenny Omega was doing in 2011 versus Kai or anything like that. But I guess it's just the perception of it. And I'm not sure the roster is filled up enough for that to feel as natural as you would like it to feel as far as this match um i think it's pretty clear jericho gets the win back right
1: i don't know if it is like i'm hearing a lot of people say that but i don't know if i'm 100 percent that jericho wins here honestly
0: Hmm.
1: because jericho has been pretty dominant in new japan And I think it might be a setup for the idea that Kenny is the guy he can't beat. So, like, you could kind of play off that back in New Japan where you build up to a third match where Jericho's pissed off that he can't beat Kenny and you do one final big match. You know what I mean? Where, like, Jericho has to prove that he can beat Kenny and then he finally does get the win in the last match.
0: So my thinking here is that they set up for Okada-Jericho happening at Dominion. I think that's already official, Right. Yeah, that's already official because the ticket's already sold out. I think, um, so if that's already happening. I can't imagine Jericho losing so close to Dominion because because he's got to be believable going into that thing or whatever yeah, dumb mean... wrestler excuses you want to throw you want to throw in there because Jericho's Jericho and that, and you know that you we know that stuff doesn't affect them, but you know Jer- you know wrestlers and. People behind the scenes will throw bullshit around bullshit like that around all the time, that oh, we need to come into this match hot and blah, 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 blah. And that match will be just fine whether he loses to Omega here or not. But I could see that as the reason why Jericho wins this match.
1: I can see that, for sure. But I also I I can see it going either way, honestly, still, because I think that I think that you can play off of things. Okada has beaten or Omega has beaten Okada. He showed that he could best him. Like I, I don't think anything is like a for sure on this. Honestly, I think that like I get where that comes from, but I think that like Jericho has really shown like a, a smartness for like how this works, and I I get where you're coming from. And I even am, like, the person who's, like, kind of, like, when people were first saying that, like, oh, Pac is, like, refusing to lose, I was like, hell yeah, like, that's good. Because just recently I was talking about, like, will we ever have a big star ever again if everyone just loses all the fucking time? Like, I, as much as I think that, like, the idea that saying wins and losses don't matter is really fun if you're, like, Aubrey Sitterson and you think that you just learned about wrestling within the past five years. um, But, like... The reason why Hulk Hogan was a big star is because he never fucking lost. The reason why Austin was a big star is because he whooped people's asses. And, like, you may say that Austin lost a lot of matches, but he never lost segments, and he would always be, like, the the badass who kicked people's asses. And, like, you know, big stars don't lose. And Jericho's pretty smart, and I think he gets to protect himself, but I do think that Jericho also is pretty smart in that, like, he understands the concept of a white whale, and I think that Kenny being Jericho's white whale could work really well. And like, I think that Kenny could beat him here and you could play off of that where like Jericho could beat Okada or he could lose to Okada after this and say like the reason why I lost is because I was too busy thinking about Kenny Omega because that fucker beat Mm. me two in a row and I'm going to show him and Kenny, you get your ass out here because at wrestle kingdom, I'm going to get my fucking win back on your piece of shit. You know what I mean? Like I could definitely see them playing off that because Jericho has to probably lose to Okada. And I understand like the idea that you want to keep him hot going into the match, but I could also see like he loses to Omega and then he's too caught up in thinking about losing to Omega that that's why he loses to Okada also. And it like kind of protects him in the long run to say like, yeah, again, exactly what I said. Like he's, he lost to Okada because he was too busy thinking about losing to Omega I think you could play off of that really well. So, at the same time, the basic, most, like, predictable finish is that just Jericho beats Okada here and then he goes into beating, uh, or he beats Omega here and then he moves on to going into the match with Okada down the road and that makes sense. But at the same time, I could see you going either way.
0: Yeah, I guess you can't, like, really form a super strong take on this because Kenny Omega is still Kenny Omega. Kenny Omega is going to be, you know... I guess, for all purposes, like the, like the, uh, I guess the top regular guy there. Yeah. Because I don't know how often Chris Jericho is going to be working. So, for all that, Kenny Omega is still the top regular guy there. So, this is the investment. Kenny Omega is going to be there all the time. And you don't know about that with Jericho. Like, I don't know. It's, you know, sort of pointless to even... Have conversations like these because, at the end of the day, like when they win or when they lose, you know, like this is still a company company that's so new, and so fresh. So maybe it does matter more than I'm sitting here thinking it does because you gotta set that table, you gotta set that first impression, and like like that 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 is a big deal.
1: Yeah, and I think on the last show when you go home, I think that that Kenny should win. Like Kenny is the guy, and. As you were saying that, I like I popped in my seat. My my, I've got a phoner to to quote uh, Jack Swagger here, um, because you know I'm on record for the past however many fucking years on podcasts talking about this. But I've also spent like probably the past like 15 years of my life thinking that Kenny Omega is one of the best wrestlers on the fucking planet, while people didn't even know who the fuck he was. Like I remember think Kenny Omega was the best wrestler. Kenny Omega was my favorite wrestler. And this is part of what makes this big is, like, the same reason why, you know, Eddie Guerrero is big for me because me and my my younger brother both, like, have this affinity for these guys. And so it makes it, like, a bigger emotional thing for me um, just because that connection with the family and all of that. But, like, uh, Kenny Omega has been my fucking guy for, like, 15 years. And the idea that this guy who I used to stand for while people would say – ridiculous shit about like you know what I mean like people you were a Kenny Omega fan too so you get where I'm coming from like he's probably one of the biggest stars in wrestling right now I don't think there's any argument about that and to go from saying like this guy's amazing and all of the shit that people talked about him this whole time and this now be in this spot where it's like the wins and losses really matter and not just in like a really small way in like a big time multi-million dollar company way is really cool I think Kenny Omega probably closes out the show with a big win. I think Kenny Omega cuts that, like, closing show ace promo, like, Tanahashi style. You know what I mean? At the end of the show with the microphone. Mm-hmm. And I f- yeah, I yeah, I didn't think about that. And I think in the ring, Kenny Omega sends the fans home happy with a big-time promo in English. You know, like, he refuses to speak Japanese in Japan. Um, I think that he'll he'll cut the big-time promo, sending everyone home happy at the end of the show. Um in vegas and i think that like yeah i think kenny omega has to honestly and i think in a lot of ways now i've talked myself into it kenny omega has to win this because kenny omega is the biggest star in wrestling like
0: other other than becky lynch i would would probably
1: go kenny right now yeah, yeah you know like kenny omega and he's north american i don't give a shit that he's canadian at least he's not from some fucking country you know on the other side of the globe like he's not across the ocean god damn it um, but yeah.
0: So so not so now. My question is: Before we um go ahead and wrap this up, because we did preview the entire card. Does does the entire BTE class or cast rather um win here? Do you think that? Do you think they're gonna go with uh that here, or do you predict someone from that group is losing?
1: Cody probably loses. Okay. I think the only be the only elite member who loses is Cody. Um, unless maybe,
0: I, I was I was extending it to just like the BTE, so it doesn't have to be like the elite proper. Right. It can be you know, SCU and all that stuff. And in that way, I'm thinking SCU is probably the most likely yes. to lose to, to lose on that show. But if I did have to pick one elite member proper, it would be Cody.
1: But I mean, Jericho shows up on the BTE also, so it's like Jericho's gonna right, lose right, right. to Kenny. But yeah, I think. I think, uh, if somehow maybe they get Skrull to show up in the Battle Royal, you know what I mean? Like, scroll, like, I could see him showing up in the Battle Royal and losing. I don't think it's likely, but it's, it's not outside of the realm of possibility. Um, I think Cody probably loses to Dustin. I think was probably pretty likely. Young Bucks maybe could lose to Lucha Brothers, but probably not very likely. Um... And I think that Kenny definitely wins against Jericho now. I've like, I talked yeah, myself yeah, into a- Yeah. You talk,
0: you talk, yeah, you talk me into that too, is that like you kind of want that go home promo at the end. And you can say that, Oh, well they did that at all in. Well, all in was before all elite wrestling was a real thing. Right. So I think now you want to do that for the first show. Um, at least, I don't know. I'm also thinking that there has, like, there should be a big angle somewhere. i th- i th- I think to get people really excited especially with the idea that All In 2 is going to be happening sooner rather than later that you need an angle to really kick this thing into high gear I think and they've been and they've been doing a whole bunch of strong social media stuff like the Pac hangman stuff for when it lasted was really strong work the Young Bucks and Lucha Brothers meeting each other all over the world was strong work but now you gotta put that there on a big show now and I think they gotta pull something
1: i think the big angle is um is the stuff with the title i think the big angle okay. is the stuff with Paige and janela like honestly right. i think that's the big i think that's the big angle you know what i mean like the big kind of thing and then everything else is pretty much straightforward and i think that you can go from there you can close out the show and maybe the you know the the in the show promo is kenny talking about like that now he's bit won this big match and, you know, you have this supposed champion in Adam Page. You know what I mean? Like, I feel like that's where you go next. Mm, okay. So like, yeah, to me, I feel like that's where it goes. And maybe that's part of the thing with Pac. Like Pac may have been the guy that would have won there. And then you go to Kenny versus Pac, you know, for the championship. So I don't know. Maybe now what you do is you go to Adam Page versus Pac, which I think, obviously could be a very good match they've they had a good match in the g1 um so i could see them having a big time match at some point in aew but yeah i think that's i think the big angle that you come out of the show with is the championship stuff and the turmoil with that um especially because you play off of like two members of the elite having issues with each other but i think pretty much everything else on this show is going to be pretty straightforward so that like you come out of it just kind of having a hierarchy of where you're going moving forward
0: All right, I think, we're, I think we're all good here I think the next time we're going to be back is I guess reviewing this show and whatever else I guess we decide to add to the list
1: yeah exactly
0: alright you want to go ahead and sign us off here yeah, yeah
1: I, ew, fuck I, I haven't come up with a sign off yet but uh, you know that's it <laughs>
0: <laughs> oh Jam- uh, Legacy Legacy by Jamila Woods is the second best album to come out in 2019 Ooh. so far
1: that's it's really it good. is really good i do enjoy it a lot um
0: all right so if you haven't heard that i would definitely say listen to that uh i think that's all for us we'll see you guys next time i bought it it's mine i bought it it's mine i bought it it's mine i bought it i like the dominicans who rock and innocent shout out the body girls who rock and keep on the big up to my effort Who's way many hours spent? They own their own businesses and work while they care for kids. You know, I love auntie girls with Sunday best bonnet curls and love to my Asian chick who make hair go straight as shit. I love how West Indies do, it's gossip with hair and food. I love how West Indies do, with gossip and hair and food.